This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. And welcome into NFL Friday Week 15 edition. Matt Murphy joined by Devin Clementi and Jack Regan. Guys, we'll jump right into Thursday Night Football before we get into the rest of the show, which will feature our Giants talk, our Jets talk, and then a look at the playoff picture because it's getting closer and closer to playoff time. And of course, we'll have fantasy hits throughout the show with Emmanuel Burbari. But let's talk quickly about Thursday Night Football last night. It wasn't really a matchup on paper that anybody no, was interested in. It, and not. it was the last Thursday night football game until the Hall of Fame game next summer or the coming summer. So we got a little bit of a Thursday night football taste for the last time in some time. And outside of the color rush and Brock Osweiler <laughs> playing pretty well, there wasn't much to talk about. But how about Brock Osweiler filling in for Trevor Simeon? That's the thing. I, f- I feel bad for Brock because he kind of had his coming out party after getting the job after Simeon got hurt yesterday, and nobody was there to watch it in a primetime <laughs> game. Nobody, nobody was watching Broncos Colts, so this guy played out of his mind and brought them from a come-from-behind win uh, against the Colts, even though that's not, yeah. not a huge thing. But still, he played really well, and nobody was watching. I, I love football, and I wasn't that into the game myself either. <laughs> yeah, Jack, I probably should have mentioned uh, the teams that were playing in the score yeah. before we jumped in. <laughs> Denver beat Indianapolis 25-13, and Osweiler had two touchdowns passing, one rushing. That rushing touchdown, the orange uniforms are sweet, but he looked slow on that and somehow got to the end zone untouched. (laughs) That was magnificent. Uh, Clydesdale-esque, like Tom Brady, I'd say. (laughs) I agree. Um, But, yeah, Osweiler stepped in there after Timmy went down with the uh, shoulder. Yeah, like you said, uh, something like 190 yards, two touchdowns, and he managed the game. Handed off to C.J. Anderson a lot. C.J. Anderson had 30 carries. 158 rushing 158 yards. 158 rushing yards and 200-something yards for the Broncos total. Um, so that's kind of Osweiler's job. Simeon, that was supposed to be Simeon's job, could not do it. Right. Just kind of managed the game and handed off. Simeon went down with a shoulder injury in the first quarter, and it was kind of a, a weird situation going into the game. Now the Colts are 3-11. and The Broncos are 5-10 and coming off two straight wins when they, they shut out the Jets the, the previous game. Before that, we'll talk about that. Yeah shortly but it was weird in the sense that the fan bases really didn't know if they wanted them to win or get the better draft pick and now the Broncos have won two in a row and the Colts are probably assuring themselves of a top five pick maybe a top three pick so those games are always kind of weird but yeah Osweiler was definitely the story and for the Broncos they're five and ten now they were supposed to be much better this year and the last couple of weeks have kind of shown if they had a better quarterback maybe in the mix what they could have done yeah absolutely and uh but Looking at the other side as well, I'm really interested to see what the Colts do with this quarterback I heard possibly draft a quarterback. I I heard that too, and it's really interesting to me because Jacoby Brissett has actually, I think, been pretty good. The thing about him is that he holds on to the ball way too long. He's I, I saw in a story he had he has one of the highest sack rates like in history at this point. Yeah. Um, but he's got a big arm. He seems like a good leader, and I'm I'm interested to see what they do with him moving forward. Whether they flip him for something or just keep him as the backup because they already have a pretty capable backup in Scott Tolzien. Um, and then obviously they have Andrew Luck, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that situation. I'll admit that I haven't watched much of the three and now the now three and eleven Colts <laughs> this year. So much so that. I love the Madden camera angle from behind, but I didn't even really realize that Jacoby Brissett was number seven until yeah. watching the game mm-hmm. last night. Those uniforms are sweet, though the all blue. Oh yeah, I thought both were sweet. The orange. I liked and the them blue. both too. Yeah, yeah, it was a good. Mm-hmm. It was a good combination 
visually, I would say, and that was probably my, my biggest takeaway. But, Jack, what do you think about the Colts and, and Andrew Luck? He, we haven't seen him under center in so long for the Colts that people are starting to ask questions about who their future quarterback is and if, if maybe he's one of these very talented college arms that's going to be in the draft this coming year. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I definitely Andrew Luck has shown he's a very talented quarterback, one of the best in the league when he is healthy. But that's just it. He's been hurt the past two years, riddled with injuries. I am actually a pretty big Jacoby Brissett fan. I like that trade for both sides Yeah. on New England and Jacoby Brissett. He does, again, hold on the ball a little bit too long. He's pretty mobile and gets out of pressure a lot. But, again, that's just results from holding on the ball too long. But, yeah, in terms of I think the culture drafts somebody, um, I really don't think so. I think hold out one more year for Luck. You paid him a lot of money, see where he takes you, and uh, see if you can get healthy. But then do you flip Brissett for like a draft pick or something? Because do you want to hold all three quarterbacks on your team? Oh, I don't think so. You Like you said, Scott Tolzien is uh, just as fine as a backup. And Brissett, I think, is in the league right now as starting quarterback. A team would want him. I think they get, he has some value right but now. But what was the trade that for them to get Brissett? Didn't they? I think they gave him a, was a was it second pick. rounder. It was a receiver too, right? Oh, oh, oh yes. Um, they Dorsett. gave up Dorsett. Dorsett. Yeah, yeah. Philip Dorsett. So now if you turn around and That's wait true. for luck and flip yeah. Brissett again, I mean, your package might not even be what right. you gave to get him. So it's mm-hmm. definitely an interesting storyline. I'm more in the camp of, of waiting it out with mm-hmm. luck to see what happens. Just to recap before we move on, Denver 25, Indianapolis 13 in the final regular season Thursday night football game this year. We are about to move into our first fantasy segment of the show with Emmanuel Burbari. Who to start this week in the fantasy playoffs? Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Well, guys, I'm going to start off my stud segment with Drew Brees under center for the 9-4 New Orleans Saints. He's been a shoe-in for about 17 fantasy points per week this season. The Saints are playing host to the Jets, and Gangrene's defense has allowed just over 23 points per game to quarterbacks this season. That is the third most in the league. If you need a guaranteed 15 points or a shorthanded and need a vintage breeze performance to keep pace, this week is probably your best bet. Marvin Jones of the Lions is my second fantasy stud of the week. A few silent weeks for him, minus the presence of a fully healthy Matt Stafford, but Stafford's getting there and so is Jones' production. Production that led him to a 24-point average in PPR leagues in weeks 11 and 12. He's facing a weak bear squad, so it's safe to say that Jones will have his fair share of opportunities to shine and that game is on Saturday so take note all you fantasy owners who only check once a week don't fall behind on getting Jones in your lineup and who says kickers can't be included in studs Robbie Gold of San Fran his last two weeks nine for nine on field goals two for two on point after tries good for a 16 point average since Jimmy Garoppolo took over quarterback duties in San Francisco he's only owned in 42.7 percent of ESPN leagues right now but he's one of the biggest special team studs available. Wow, I absolutely love the Robbie Gold pick. But <laughs> to go to your first stud this week, Drew Brees, I don't have him in any of my leagues. I'm still in the playoffs in two of my three leagues. I hate to be that guy that brings up his multiple <laughs> leagues and all. But I don't have to worry about starting or sitting Drew Brees. But I know some people that are concerned about Kamara being healthy again this week and Mark Ingram and that taking away from his value that doesn't concern you at all if it's a blowout against the Jets that they just lean on the run game possibly I think it's somewhat of a concern but I think you can kind of lead lean on that first through third quarter production against the Jets team that's clearly uh yeah his floor, in the wrong direction his floor is probably pretty high this week exactly Bruce. so 
again, I said maybe maybe you wouldn't rely on a vintage Breeze performance this week, but if you're looking for a shoe in 15 points that you've been lacking, I think Breeze is your guy. Yeah, and then of course with um, who Robbie Gold, I added him in a league, so that was good to hear you bring up yeah <laughs> his name. So hopefully that uh, benefits me this week. But now it's time to talk Giants. We'll have more fantasy coming up throughout the show. Giants are two and eleven now, a twenty point home loss this past week to the Cowboys. Plenty to get to there, but let's start with our weekly Giants report from our beat reporter Tommy Aldrich. Coming off of what can only be described as an unruly two weeks in Giants land. Some fans created a silver lining of hope that a week on the bench could inspire Eli Manning's best performance of the year, a breakout game, so to speak, which was to come just in time for the Dallas Cowboys. But it was not to be. Nothing looked too different for Big Blue on Sunday except for their all-white color rush jerseys. As far as the offense goes, just 10 points. Taking a closer look at that score, that is the sixth time in just 13 games this season that the Giants offense has failed to score more than 12 points. Clearly something needs to be addressed. Now the question on everyone's mind is if that which needs addressing is at the quarterback position. Ownership claims that they want Eli back, but if it's between you and me, I think they'll have no problem diverting much of that conundrum to whoever becomes the new head coach and general manager. As much as the Giants organization is a loyal one, they shouldn't play a 37-year-old quarterback just because. So go ahead, Giants fans, take a look at the scouting reports, because Big Blue will have a top pick this year. That we know. We just have yet to see if that top pick will become the quote-unquote quarterback of the future. For now, it's still number 10. At home this week against the NFC East champion Eagles. Kickoff is at 1 p.m. Covering these New York Giants, I'm Tommy Aldridge, WFUV Sports. Good stuff, as always, from our Giants beat reporter, Tommy Aldrich. An inter- interesting report in what was an interesting week leading up to this past game for the New York Giants in those pretty sweet all-white uniforms. I know I'm talking a lot about the color rush tonight, but, you know, I mean, they, they looked sweet, and it was Eli Manning coming back. It was Steve Spagnolo first game as the interim head coach following Ben McAdoo's firing, so mm-hmm. there's a lot to dive into. That's why we're going with the Giants first. We'll have the Jets in a couple of minutes on this segment, and then eventually our fantasy sit-ems this week with Emmanuel, but it was a bad fourth quarter for this Giants team against division rival Cowboys. They've got another division rival coming up this week in the Eagles, like Tommy said, but let's start with the Cowboys, the loss to the Cowboys, because it was such an interesting week leading up to it, and it was 10-10 at one point, and then they give up all these late touchdowns. In the fourth quarter, right? And what's your reaction to that loss after Eli keeps them in? And I guess some people said... He played well enough to keep minute, and then the three touchdowns in a four-minute and change span late in the fourth quarter did him in. Yeah, I mean, uh, Eli definitely did enough to keep him in. It just calls into question again their decision to sit him because he's been pretty much the only guy all season that's been in every game and has given them a chance to win has done his job. So obviously that's still a questionable call at best. And just looking at what they were able to do this past week, you know, it it shows their potential because the Cowboys aren't a bad team at all. They had them 10-10 late in the fourth quarter, and then it just imploded. And I feel like that's what's happened this season 
you know, all season for the Giants. They've just imploded every week, week in and week out. And you're continuing to see it again this week with, you know, whatever's going on with Eli Apple and Landon Collins. And it's just, I think the takeaway from the game is that they, they have some pieces in place, especially their quarterback, who's a great leader and who's been, who's been clutch throughout his career. But just the management and just the chaos throughout the organization this season has been his downfall. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a classic Eli Manning performance. Uh, this, I will preface this with saying I'm a Patriots fan. Eli Manning is not my favorite NFL player, but Eli did just enough to keep you, to keep you around, you know, like he did his entire career, at least these past few seasons, just, just enough not to get cut or traded um, or let go in free agency to keep the fan base hanging around and thinking they're going to win the game, and then he kind of blows it for everyone. And then how about the graphic that Fox put up of started 211 of the last 212 yes. games? Great stat. Excellent stat. That was, that was pretty funny by their uh, graphics department. But, um, Devin, you brought up the Eli Apple situation. He yeah. was, I mean, he's a South Jersey guy. I always talk about South Jersey because that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I'm an Eagles fan. Kind of a Jets fan, too. My dad grew up in New York, so I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem with being a fan of a team in both leagues. It's not like the Jets and Eagles no, are going to play you. a meaningful mm-hmm. game yeah. anytime soon, but... A fellow South Jersey guy like myself, Eli Apple, went to Ohio State. He was tweeting from the sideline while inactive about – he retweeted the video of, of Rod Smith. Rod Smith's yeah. 81-yard touchdown because he's another Ohio State guy, yeah. and he was fined by the team yesterday, I believe. And you can't have that. No, a team that's had not. such a bad season. That There's rules against t- tweeting yeah. during, I think, up to 90 minutes. But It is 90 minutes before yeah. kickoff and obviously during the game as well. And Eli Apple, he let the Twitter fingers uh, get loose. And he even said it wasn't like a misinterpretation of the rules or anything. He knows the rules. It was it was a mistake on his part. And it's just especially especially retweeting a huge play of pretty much your biggest rival in the league. I mean, right. uh, there, there's not in and then, no way could you ever think that that's appropriate. And then some guy calls him out and says, "You're not in college anymore." Talking about Ohio State, and he says, "I'll always be a Buckeye, though." Yeah, so, I don't know. I don't know luck. what he's alluding to, but. Yeah, it's definitely a bad look. And then this week he's getting into he's getting pretty much calling out uh, Landon Collins in like a backhand. I didn't sort see of that. I didn't so hear that. basically, they were, people were asking him about you know the guys that have given him advice, DRC, because he had similar struggles early in his career. And Landon Collins had said that he had reached out to him and tried to help him. And then Eli Apple, I guess, went out of his way to say that Collins hadn't done anything for him. Right. So I think it's a weird thing to kind of call out your All Pro safety, mm-hmm. who's actually spoken highly of you. Uh, even if they hadn't said anything, at least he's speaking highly of him to reporters. I don't know. I th- I just think he's obviously not happy, I think, where he is, and I th- it seems like a change of scenery is going to come soon. Right, yeah, and this just all adds to the fire like sideshow that Giants have been this season with yeah. ben, the Ben McAdoo situation and Eli Manning getting benched. Um, and there's just something a team doesn't need. It's a culture they don't want to build. This is a historic organization, and um, you just hate to see it go down like this. And they're still... I mean, there's still turmoil going on right now, and it's going to continue. They still need a GM. They still need a head coach right now with Spagnolo serving as the interim. There's questions about should Eli finish out the season? Should they go to Davis Webb? I mean, maybe throw Gino's name back in the mix <laughs> if, if Spagnolo is really trying to win the games. I saw something about Gino's the most mobile, so that makes sense. I don't agree with that. I think you either go Manning for the rest of the year, which yeah. seems likely, or Webb. I wouldn't be opposed to them starting Davis Webb. I know it's not going to happen this week, but the following week. I mean, I don't see a reason why you draft a guy in the third round and you don't let him play at all when 
the season's played out how it has. And I, I get that point. Um, but the thing to me is, and I was saying this back when they decided to sit Eli too, you have a guy in Davis Webb who was a late round pick. So obviously he's third be, round is not a no, like, no, no, mid, mid round, pick. mid yeah. round. Yeah. So, so obviously he's a talented guy. He seems like he has the intangibles. He seems like a hard worker, but he was going to be a little bit of a project no matter what. And I feel like when you throw him pretty much into the fire with zero O-line, with two of your star wide receivers injured, and you never know who else is going to be injured. I mean, just an injured offense all around with a guy who's probably not going to be the head coach next year, so you're going to have a different offensive scheme. I don't know how much you find out because it's extremely likely if you throw him in that situation that he's going to fail or he's not going to play well. So even if he does do poorly, you haven't really found out anything because the entire situation is going to be different next season. So I didn't know. It's kind of like the Jets with with Hackenberg. A little bit, a, a yeah. Little bit. A little I mean, bit. I yeah. think Webb must have not separated, must not have separated himself enough in practice to yeah. even get a consideration when they when they benched mm-hmm. Eli. So that's that's something to look at as well. But what do you think, Jack? Do you think they should uh, go with Webb maybe at some point in the final two games? You know, I always am a big proponent of uh, putting in a young guy, your young quarterback, yeah. when a team is failing. Uh, it gives the fans something to look forward to on the weekend, and you kind of get to see what you have, but. Um, like what we talked about, I mean, this is just not a good situation to put a young guy into, especially next week playing against the 11-2 Eagles. I definitely would not put uh, Webb in against them. Um, yeah, let's let's get to that game right now just for the sake of, of time. Uh, the only reason I brought up the Webb thing is because the interim GM, Kevin Abrams, said that he would like to see all the mm-hmm. young guys play, including Davis Webb, but at the end of the day, it's the interim head coach, Steve Spagnuolo's decision, and it seems like Spags is going to keep Eli Manning yeah. in there so I mean he actually went as far as to say that I think he said he played great against the Cowboys or some, something along those lines he was hyping know. up Eli's yeah. play against the Cowboys because it was close for so much of the game but they are hosting the 11-2 and Eagles this week it's a tough matchup even without Carson Wentz and yeah. I don't really it's so mm. it pains me to talk about Carson Wentz and, and the ACL tear and the Eagles right now but there are some bright spots Nick Foles has proven in the right offensive system under the right head coach and by right head coach, I mean not Jeff Fisher, that he yeah. can have some success mm-hmm. in the NFL numbers-wise. And their defense is just so good. We were talking before the show, Jack, about how we're not really that down on the Eagles right now, and they should roll the Giants this week. No, yeah, I mean, I bought copious amounts of Nick Foles stock back in uh, 2013. <laughs> Can't wait to cash it. I think <laughs> I think he can kind of do the job of game manager here because the Eagles do have a talented roster with Alshon Jeffrey, a long, speedy receiver, Nelson Aguilar, a great backfield with Blunt and Ajayi and a really a good defense. So I think Foles can manage his game and pull out some wins here for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually am of the opinion that the Eagles still have a shot at the Super Bowl, even with Foles there. Me too. And, and I mean, they just have such a great team around him, and he was able to take them to the playoffs once before. He's been a Pro Bowl quarterback before. Yeah, he floundered with the Rams, but... Pretty much every quarterback that's ever been with Jeff Fisher has had a tough time. And look at what Goff's able to do now that Fisher's gone. Um, I think Nick Foles is a talented guy. And, the t- again, the team around him is so talented, way more talented than the team that he did take the pl- take to the playoffs earlier in his right. career. So I think that he's definitely able to manage the game. Again, they should wipe the floor with the Giants this week, especially mm-hmm. with Eli Apple out and with Landon Collins probably out. I mean, it's just it's it's a complete mismatch. and. You know, for them, I mean, they have a lot to play for with the with the bye. Right, and I think a lot of that Eagles Super Bowl talk will come up later when we talk yeah. about the playoff mm. picture a little bit. But we've got the Jets to get to as well because there's plenty to talk about there. It was a brutal week from the scoreboard standpoint and, and the injury standpoint for them. So let's play my Jets report before getting into a discussion about gangrene. 
I'm pretty sure this is what the whole season was supposed to feel like. Nothing went right for the Jets on Sunday against the Broncos. They were shut out 23-0 in Denver. The Jets had 100 yards total, 41 passing, 59 rushing. And the guy who led the culture change that had the team's record at a surprising 5-7 going in, well, he broke his hand. 38-year-old quarterback Josh McCown broke his left hand in the deflating loss that dropped the Jets to 5-8 overall and snapped an eight-game losing streak for the Broncos. McCown's future with the Jets, and in the league for that matter, is uncertain. But he knew this team had potential all the way back in late September. Two years ago, this team won 10 games. And so there's enough guys left that, that remember that and, and know, you know what that feeling's like. And so I, I think for us, we just keep focused together and, you know, on one another and what our jobs are. And, uh, and you know, hopefully continue to stack wins. And, um, you know, the outside is the outside. But for us, that's, it's really kind of drawn us together more than anything. But now the show must go on with Bryce Petty under center. No Christian Hackenberg for now, as it's off to New Orleans for gangrene. And the Saints are a franchise record 15-point favorite. Rookie running back Alvin Kamara is cleared to play, and that's bad news for the Jets. And for my fantasy team, semifinal matchup this week, no big deal. Kamara and Mark Ingram are a two-headed monster in the backfield, and don't forget about Michael Thomas out wide. Because of those guys and a few other reasons, I'm going Saints big in this one. 34-13 final score. Covering the New York Jets, I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. So there you have this week's Jets report as we are now in week 15 and they're coming off a shutout loss to the Denver Broncos. I had to throw in that Josh McCown quote, mm -hmm. even though it's from week three, just because he meant so much to this team and to the locker room. And you could just hear it in his voice back then how excited he was mm -hmm. for the season. That was following their 0-2 start, and they had just beaten the Dolphins at home to improve to 1-2. and And things got better shortly after that in the coming weeks as well. And they racked up five wins under McCown, who's not a guy in recent years that was used to winning. And so many guys in the locker room speak so highly of him. For him to break his hand in this loss to the Broncos, it, it was tough to see. And, and now they're just going to kind of go through the motions for the next couple of weeks with Bryce Petty in there. It's it's depressing. And, you know, it's it's nothing against Bryce Petty at all. It's just Josh McCown came into this season. I, before the season, actually wanted Bryce Petty to start. I wanted to see what he had. I felt like he didn't get that big of an audition last season. And I wasn't happy with the McCown decision, and man, was I proven wrong. Yeah, I mean, it worked the guy, out. It worked out were. so well. I mean, he has just been unbelievable in the locker room, an unbelievable leader. I, uh, uh, I don't think that you can argue that a huge amount of their success this season has been because just his will and desire to win. I mean, the guy who has been working his butt off, uh, he says all the right things, he does all the right things. Yeah, he's prone to some mistakes, but it's it says a lot that a guy that's been a journeyman, journeyman throughout his whole career and is having his best season at 38 years old, I mean, it's unbelievable to watch. And the guys really rallied around him this year. Matt Forte even asked him about his hand in the yeah. locker room after yep. the game, and he said McCown said something that included last pass, and Forte wasn't sure if that meant last pass of the season or last pass of his career. 
So for them to lose a guy that meant that much to the team, and Matt Forte loves this guy, wants to see him back next year. I'm sure some Jets fans wouldn't be that opposed to it now after the way that he played this year, but I know they, they still probably want to draft a quarterback mm-hmm. too come draft time, so it's a, another sticky situation. Right, yeah. It's, again, heartbreaking for McCown. I mean, this reminded me a lot of the when they signed Ryan Patrick, Fitzpatrick a couple years ago, and he had a great breakout season, sort of wayfaring quarterback, finding his way home with the New York Jets very unexpectedly. Um, and yeah, I think... I mean, they gave after that season they gave Fitzpatrick like a twelve million twelve million dollar one year deal. I think they shouldn't do that with McCown this year. Yeah. He had a he had a great run. He was a great locker room leader. I think it's time to move on. It seems maybe like he, he might retire though. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. That too, and maybe even trade up and draft quarterback. In my opinion. The one other the other thing that was really concerning to me is that offense coordinator John Morton came out after the game and said that the reason they were running the ball late in the game is because he didn't think they had a chance anymore to come back at all. So they didn't say they waved the white flag, but all the reporters are saying. They basically admitted this week after the game and, and mm-hmm. in the coming days after the game that they waved the white flag without really coming out and saying it. They they just gave up. And that you know, you don't want to see that. Absolutely. And even uh, just before the end of the first half, they went into the locker room. I think they didn't call timeouts to prevent the— As, as a fan just watching that, I mean, it was infuriating and, and depressing at the same time. I was, and Bowles said that it was because they were worried about McCown's hand and they yeah. just wanted to get in the locker room and— I. Just bad PR stuff, I yeah, think, from absolutely. the coaching staff this week. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big Bulls proponent in the first place. I think that they do need some better leadership in that, in that department. Um, John Morton, I think, has done a phenomenal job this season as the offensive coordinator. I mean, coming into this year, it, on paper, it looked like the Jets were one of the worst offenses in NFL history. I mean, there was no stars on the offense, and now you come into the year, they're putting up, I think, almost 20 points a game. They put up 23, I think, on the Jaguars. Yeah, Robbie Anderson has who, had great, yeah, oh, a great connection he's, he's with been McCown, and now unbelievable. I think for fantasy purposes, he's a guy that I would put in my sit department yeah. this week with Bryce Petty. We're going to get to Emmanuel here in, in a second, but Robbie Anderson throughout the summer looked so good with Josh McCown, and no one really looked good. None of the receivers did at training camp with Petty or yeah. Hackenberg, so that's definitely a concern. And and they do have New Orleans this week, so let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. The Saints are 9-4, and four, one of the better teams in the NFC. Kamara's going to be healthy. Ingram's there. Thomas, like I said in the report, it's looking like it's going to be a long day, and the Jets couldn't go another day without a storyline. Mo Wilkerson won't travel with the team, and it's not due to injury. It's due to the coach's decision. That's what they came out and said today. He's not going to probably be with the team next year. I mean... I think I think that's made, been made pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, he's probably played his last down with the team. It seems right. like, uh, I, and you know what? I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, a guy that they have so many young players. They're one of the youngest teams in the league. They only have three players over the age of thirty, including McCown. So right. they have a bright future, especially with how well the young guys played this season. You can't have a guy like Wilkerson in the locker room who's, you know, last season he caused a stir by missing his birthday party or whatever. He's l- consistently <laughs> late to meetings. He he just doesn't seem Yeah, he to, missed a meeting. That's yeah, why he was He doesn't seem again. to care that much anymore, you know? And I think that he's proven that he's really just been into the money that he got from McCagnan, and I think it's time to move on. I really, I just really don't see them hanging around in this game against the Saints at all. No, yeah, I mean... Uh, I would give them a chance if McCown if McCown is playing, but they're in New Orleans. This is kind of a New Orleans has to win here to uh, move up their spot in the playoff yeah. picture. Um, and with Kamara coming back, I just don't see them having a chance really. Especially in the Superdome, it's going to be right. Tough. We got indoors Drew Brees here, yeah. so yeah. right. And the other weird thing that came out this week was Jeremy Curley talking about his suspension for PEDs. Said that the reason it happened might have been ghosts. He he blamed it uh, on. 
ghost. I didn't hear that. <laughs> he said that. I don't really. I didn't. I don't have his exact quote, but he he blamed ghosts for his positive drug test that cost him four games this year due to PEDs. So, I mean, in a season that's kind of taken a turn here, that's. I don't know if that's a good or bad excuse. Uh, I mean, you can't prove it wrong, it's, right? It's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely funny. So in that way, it's pretty good. But uh, just bizarre all around from Jeremy Curley, I guess. <laughs> no way to prove him wrong. No that's way right. to prove him wrong. <laughs> Super weird. And the last thing before we jump over to uh, our fantasy sit segment, just in terms of the draft for the Jets, they are likely not going to have a top five pick now, even though they lost again. They, I guess they could sneak in. They I don't could. have all the percentages. It's, it's just so difficult to to try and see where they're going to pick because if they win a couple more games maybe against the Patriots when they sit people yeah. or against the Chargers they could have a much higher pick like 10 or so or if they lose out they could have you know 5 yeah, I, it's, Todd, it's really difficult to kind of predict Todd McShay had him at 9 and they had him taking uh, LSU defensive end Arden Key so they would add another defensive player mm-hmm. from LSU I don't think Jets fans would be no, happy with that no, pick I, I mean you, you want to either get I think an offensive lineman or a quarterback for the Jets because they have a lot of defensive pieces in place. Um, So if they could either trade up to get a QB or even Orlando Brown, I know he's going to be taken really high. Um, That would be ideal. But, I mean, how many times are we going to take defensive ends at this point? (laughs) I I feel like like three out of the last five years we've taken defensive ends or D-tackles or something. It's always a D-lineman. We have enough D-linemen. Yeah, maybe with the Wilkerson situation, though, they, they need to go that route again. We'll it's, see it's, what happens. It's possible. It's possible. We've got playoff picture talk on the way, followed by our Week 15 Pick'em segment, but not before our second fantasy hit of the show with Emmanuel Barbari. Who to sit this week? Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Well, I know you guys were mentioning Robbie Anderson, and I hate to do this to him. The guy established himself as a top-flight wide receiver this season, including four 18-plus point PPR performances between weeks 8 and 13. That being said, last week's three-reception, 27-yard catastrophe against Denver is no fluke. And now with Josh McCown out for the season, he does not have a competent quarterback. Steer clear of Anderson in week 15. Deshaun Jackson of the Bucks is my second dud. He's totaled more than five catches just twice since week eight. Shaky passing attack in Tampa, and he's either not the stud he once was or he's just stuck in a subpar system. The Falcons rarely get beat over the top. Do not trust him on Monday night against Atlanta. And my final dud uh, for this week is Kirk Cousins. He's been awfully mediocre, averaging a little over uh, 10 points a game for the past handful of weeks. His team's beat up, and Arizona has had a top-five pass defense over the same span. I do like him as a long-term option for the Jets, but not for the playoffs in fantasy. All right, I got one outside of Robbie Anderson for you. I was going to ask about him, but you had him on your list. Tyreek Hill. Do I sit Tyreek Hill against the Chargers secondary this week because he relies on the big play, and the Chargers defense is better than people think? It is a home game for the Chiefs. Any wide receiver that's playing against a good pass defense and relies on the big play, I tend to side against. So if you have a good option waiting on the bench, just waiting to get in your lineup, I'd start him over Tyreek Hill. Fair enough. But if Tyreek Hill goes off for like three, like 80 you can yard blame touchdowns, me. You can blame I'm me. This is on the you. record. 
Emmanuel, just a question about Robbie Anderson. Yeah. I know last season, you're a Jets fan, right? I am. So last season, he really, I think, broke out when Petty became the star. It seemed like they had a really good chemistry. Do you think that that chemistry continues with Petty now starting this week? I don't. I, I don't think so. I, I, I know I, he's going up against Marshawn Lattimore, so that should be chemistry shut down. Is something that I really think takes time, and I don't think. I, I think Petty not being in there this entire season hurts that chemistry. Fair. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm one of those guys who's astonished at what Robbie Anderson has been able to it's, do. It's funny, not to cut you off real quick, yeah. but I'm going to do it anyway, just because <laughs> we're talking about chemistry, and I'm I'm the one saying, oh, when I was at training camp. McCown and Anderson had this great chemistry, yeah. and now Devin's bringing up last season Petty and Anderson. Maybe Robbie Anderson's just good. Maybe, maybe like maybe yeah. he's just a good receiver <laughs> he, he with any, any quarterback. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Acqu- according to me, at least he's a dud this week. But according to me, also, I think he's a good wide receiver. So <laughs> yeah, I would stay away from him this week. I'd be nervous <laughs> to start him because so yeah. much is on the line at yeah. this point yeah. of yeah. a fantasy, especially season. against Lattimore. I mean, he's been unbelievable this year. Right, and yeah. he, and even if the game takes a huge turn, yeah. and you're talking garbage time points. I still don't know if Robbie Anderson does enough in that garbage time yeah, to, to exactly. get to, to win you a, a fantasy matchup. He's yep. more likely to lose you a matchup if you put him in as your second receiver or or maybe a flex spot. We only have a few minutes to talk about the playoff picture because we want to make sure we have sufficient time for our fun segment, which is all of our Week 15 picks. But we don't have to run down each division. I don't know how you guys want to take this. This is a Tommy Aldrich original to talk about <laughs> the, the playoff picture, and it's, it's a good idea. I mean, if we just take a look at the teams on the cusp, obviously, I think the only two teams that have clinched so far, Pittsburgh clinched the AFC North, and the Eagles clinched the NFC East, obviously, but that was kind of, their celebration was mm-hmm. down was downed a little bit by the fact that they lost Carson Wentz for the rest of the season. So, I don't know which direction you guys want to go with this, but the playoff picture is definitely heating up, and there are some games this week that are important for that playoff picture, one of them being that Chiefs Chargers game and I talked about Tyreek Hill and how the Chargers defense has been very good this year but the game is at Arrowhead so I know I have Phillip Rivers on one of my teams I don't know I have a sleeper question for Emmanuel next segment in fantasy about that but the AFC West picture let's start with maybe Chiefs and Chargers because that's probably the biggest game of the season for both of those teams nothing you guys don't have no, I mean, no, no, I was saying, well, uh, yeah I mean the Chargers uh past defense like you said was underrated uh their defense in general is actually doing great this year um so I do have the Chargers in that game well so the Chargers are seven well, and six just to set the table and the Chiefs are also seven and right six. yeah and also the Raiders are six and seven which is also close um yeah I think it just relies a lot on whether or not Alex Smith shows up I mean earlier in the season they were what five and oh five and oh six and one and obviously in the past in the second half they've collapsed but it's largely been due to the incredible difference between his play. I mean, early in the season, he was an MVP candidate, and recently people are talking about maybe sitting him for Patrick Mahomes. So I think that's the difference. The the Chiefs' defense is not great. So the Chargers' offense, especially with the way Keenan Allen's been playing recently and the way Melvin Gordon can run, they're going to put up points. If Alex Smith can respond to that, I think they have a shot to win. But if not, and, you know, guys on the Chargers' defense like Casey Hayward get the best of him, and especially those ridiculous ends on the Chargers' team – uh, between Bosa and Ingram, I mean, the Chargers are going to take that if he can't perform. There we go. We picked up our AFC West talk a little bit there. Maybe that <laughs> was a bad place to start. The AFC South is interesting to me because Jacksonville, every year prior to the season when people are making their projections, it's like the Jags are young, 
They mm-hmm. could be good this year. This year, I think people stepped back and said, we've got to stop picking the Jags every year because they never prove it. And now Blake Bortles has looked incredible the last couple of weeks. They're in first place ahead of the Titans in the division. They're 9-4 and four overall, the Jaguars. The Titans are right there. So the AFC South is going to be interesting, mm-hmm. just like the Absolutely. West, to monitor over the next three weeks. Well, here's the thing about the Jags. And I don't know if I'd call Blake Bortles' play incredible, but they remind me a lot of the 2009-2010 Jets, where you have a great running, or great running game, the best defense in the NFL. Well, Fournette's been banged up, which concerns me. He has me been banged up, but Chris Ivory, owner. Chris Ivory is not a bad backup at, at a, and in they have way. Yeldon in the mix and too. Yeldon. So you have a couple of bruisers, and Yeldon can catch the ball. So, I mean, you have a good running game with good wide receivers, a guy who can manage the game in Blake Bortles, and then the best defense in the NFL. So I see no re- and you know, defense wins championships. So I see no reason why this team can't make a run deep into the playoffs when they're holding teams to, you know, 12, 10 points a game. Plus Mariota hasn't looked good for Tennessee lately. He hasn't. Although I do think that that team's going to pick it up. They I think they're too talented. No, yeah, it's funny. I do not think Mariota is very good. It's we've been talking about, you know, Mariota and Winston. I know they're drafted a year after Bortles. Um we've always just we've always trashed Bortles like people as a collective, but it's funny now that Bortles is stepping up and leading a 9-4 division-leading Jaguars, and Mariota is just kind of getting dragged along in this 8-5 Titans team. Quickly, before we get into our picks, let's go to the NFC. We do have to touch on these divisional races as well. The NFC South is interesting with New Orleans, Carolina, both at 9-4. and four. Atlanta is lurking at 8-5. and five. I feel like people really haven't talked too much about them. The NFC West, LA, the Rams are 9-4, and four, and Seattle's a game back. At eight and five, let's skip over the NFC East and North, obviously, because the Eagles clinched and the Vikings are three games up on everybody else with at ten and three. So in the South, I I think the Falcons are a team that's lurking, but even if they get into the playoffs and say they play the Eagles in Philly, I I don't think their season. I don't think Matt Ryan they go into Philly or something like that. I know a lot can change from now until then, but people really haven't been talking about a team that should have won the Super Bowl last year yeah. in that division. And we'll see what the Saints do against the Jets. And, and Carolina's got an interesting home game this week against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. So that division, let's start there. Who do you guys think is going to come out of there now that we only have three weeks left? I mean, there's three really good teams in that division, so that's pretty that's pretty tough. But I think I think the Saints are one of the best teams in the league. And I think that they're going to come out on top in that division. And to me, they're a Super Bowl favorite. I mean, they have everything you want in terms of a franchise quarterback that can win the game. They And he hasn't even been throwing as much as he used to. They've been a run-first team this season yeah. with two amazing backs. Marshawn Lattimore has been one of the best corners in the league. And they have a great head coach and one of the best home field advantages in the game. So they're a team with not a lot of weaknesses. So I'm going to pick the Saints to come out of that division. Right, yeah, I'm going to take the Saints as well. Just Matt Ryan does not look great. Has not looked great this year, um, especially in that game against the Saints a few weeks ago. Uh, he's been almost like classic, like vintage Matt Ryan, I guess I'll say, uh, in that he's sort of a game manager. hasn't really been the MVP caliber he was last year. And so yeah, I'm gonna take the best quarterback out of the three of Cam, Matt Ryan, and Drew Brees. Drew Brees is playing great this season. I think that New Orleans to come out of that division. And speaking of good quarterbacks, very quickly here, um, let's go to the West. Russell Wilson's been playing very well oh, yeah. for Seattle. They're hosting. Mm the Rams and Jared Goff in a huge divisional game this week. I think Russell Wilson picks on the corners a little bit. They're, they're banged up. The Rams coming off the loss to the Eagles. Yep. I think the Seahawks win at home, and I think they win the NFC West this year. Really? I, I think yeah. that that's, I, that's pretty – I mean, it's a huge game. Well, I don't even it's, know the rest of their schedule. I should I, probably look at Seattle's schedule, but we don't really have time for that. If I, they do beat I'm the Rams – I'm confident in it. I'm going if to If they do beat Seattle. the Rams, they're going to they're gonna take the West because that will be their second win yeah. over them. 
But and I like them at home against the yeah, Rams. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a good point. It's just I, that Rams team has been so good, especially, I mean, I love the job that Sean McVay's done, but uh, it's tough. I'm going to go Rams out of that division just because I think they're a more complete team with Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor injured on the Seahawks. Yeah, I'm actually going to go Seahawks too. I think the Seahawks are going to win uh, this weekend against the Rams. Jared Goff did not look great against uh, down the stretch against the Eagles last weekend with that fumble. So I'll take the Seahawks coming out of the division um, with a big home field advantage against the Rams. So you've got you both got the Rams real quick. Oh no, I've got the, I got, got the, the Seahawks. Seahawks. Oh, okay, yeah. sorry, I wasn't paying attention the last <laughs> no thirty seconds. But I think for the sake of time, we do have to move on to our Week 15 pickums. But before we do that, let's get our third and final fantasy segment of the show: the sleepers talk with Emmanuel. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. This week, my first sleeper, I'm going with Juju Smith-Schuster of the Pittsburgh Steelers. His output has declined significantly since Week 10. Hasn't even recorded 50 yards, but the Pats secondary, which he's going up against, yields a tremendous amount of yards to wideouts. His target percentage is still second on the team behind Antonio Brown, so I'd consider him a safe flex play in your fantasy league. Nick Foles is my second mentioned him earlier in the show if you're questionable at the quarterback position i'd roll the dice on nick Foles. the giants have allowed the most fantasy points per game at 23.4 and are the runner up in yards allowed per game at 3,574 to quarterbacks this season matt you mentioned he's played well over under anyone not named jeff fisher and he's entering a talented system and a winning culture most importantly with low expectations placed on him i'm not saying start him unless you need to but it's a risk worth taking if you're dry at the position. That makes him a perfect sleeper for week 15. And finally, Jonathan Stewart. Everyone has been waiting for a consistent production from him. Uh, last week, we got it 103 yards, 3 TDs, 28 points in PPR leagues. But he's a typical p- case of a player that owners will sit thinking it's a one-week wonder. I'd roll him out there once again. The Packers have allowed 26.1 PPR points per game to running back. So he is, in fact, a safe flex play. So I've been waiting all show to ask you this question. I wanted to hold off on bringing up Nick Foles' name until the sleeper segment because I knew you you had some things to say about Nick Foles. In my dynasty league, where I won't get too far into the specifics, but you keep most of your roster from year to year. I have Carson Wentz, so I'm not devastated because I do have him for the rest of his career as well. But I'm in the semifinals this week. He's not available, obviously, due to the ACL. Phillip Rivers is my backup. I picked up Nick Foles. Do I go Rivers against the Chiefs in Kansas City, a team that he notoriously struggles against, but he's been tearing it up lately, or do I go with Nick Foles with a better matchup against the Giants despite, well, it's also on the road, but the Giants' defense is obviously bad this year. My key condition with Foles was if you absolutely need him. I have Rivers in one of my leagues, and he has been going to the house for me these past few weeks. So I Yeah, but back in week three, Three or four, he had single digit, less than five points against the Chiefs. I think it's a far different Phillip Rivers we're looking at right now. So I'd, I'd stick with him. He does have that bad track record against the Chiefs, but I'd go with the known commodity over the unknown one. Yeah, I was leaning Rivers this way. Do you guys have any input on that? I was leaning Rivers, but I added Foles just in case. I don't think Foles' ceiling is, is like 25 points, though, like it is for Rivers probably. Rivers could be 30-something, and I think Foles gets maybe 20 points max this week. Yeah, I mean it's tough because I think that a key a key reason why um, 
Philip Rivers has been going off recently is because Keenan Allen has been unbelievable. And Hunter I mean, Henry's been and Hunter, and, and Not Hunter to brag, Henry. I have him too. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's go. pretty good. But um, I mean, it's tough. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Rivers because, like you said, he's he's the known commodity versus the unknown one. And I think you got to go with the higher ceiling. Yeah, as and well. it's it's kind of a if my life depended on it, who would I go with, Rivers or Falls? Right. <laughs> You don't want to get cute in the playoffs, Jack. I'm going to assume that you want me to play Rivers as well. And on that note, we will send it to our Week 15 Pick'em segment. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, so I always preface this by saying I don't know what website you guys are looking at for the schedule, so just bear with me and listen to the (laughs) names of the teams that I'm saying. We'll start with the Saturday games, Bears at Lions. I'm going with Detroit on their home field, Matthew Stafford and company. The Bears struggle in Detroit, at least over the last couple of years. I'm going Detroit as well. I think that they're just the better team overall. I'm going Detroit. Watch out for Marvin Jones, and Detroit continues to make a playoff push. Right, yeah, battle of the coaches that are about to get fired. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna take a Detroit as well. If they need a win, they're 7-6. and six. They don't want any, any shot getting in the playoffs. Chargers at Chiefs in the other Saturday game. I have 100% confidence in Phillip Rivers that he's going to go off, so I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers on the road. I do think Phillip Rivers is going to go off, but I think Alex Smith is finally going to show up and carry the Chiefs to a much-needed win. I'm going to Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. I agree. Right, going Chargers. All right, let's move it over to Sunday. Texans at Jaguars. This is another one with a heavy favorite in the home team, Jacksonville. I don't see Blake Bortles cooling off against the Texans, despite the Texans having an okay defense, not from a fantasy perspective, which I'm looking at in a couple leagues with possibly adding Bortles. I I like Jacksonville's defense to keep Houston off the board, obviously, as well. I'm going Jacksonville. Oh, definitely. you got to go Jacksonville there. Best defense in the NFL. If this was against the spread, I'd go Houston, but I'm going Jacksonville for the sake of the actual pick. Right, yeah, I'm going Jacksonville. They're better in every single way. Ravens at Browns. Some are calling it a trap game. I don't see Cleveland getting their first win of the season against the Ravens. I'm taking Baltimore. I mean, I really want to take the Browns just because I would, I would love to get that first win, but I'm going to go Baltimore as well. I've been saying Browns in, at 0-16 every single picks segment I've been on, so I'm going to stick with 0-16. Let's go, Ravens. This is great. I'm going for the Browns, actually. It's going to be a tough okay. divisional matchup. That AFC North gets chippy, and the Browns are home. Aaron Rodgers is back. Green Bay at Carolina. This one is tough. This was one of the tougher games for me to, to pick this week. I think... Devontae Adams has been great with Brett Hundley in there. I think it continues with Aaron Rodgers, who is obviously an incredible quarterback. I like Green Bay over Carolina. I'm actually going to go Green Bay as well. I, I have no reason to go against the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm going Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers begins his run-the-table magic right now. Surprising. I'm going Carolina. I don't buy any of this Cinderella story, Aaron Rodgers, BS. <laughs> I think the Carolina defense is too good, too. I knew, I knew it was too good to be true with us all picking the Packers there. <laughs> AFC East battle, Miami Dolphins in Buffalo to take on the Bills. This one's probably going to be ugly. It's, I don't know the forecast, but it's probably going to be snow, I would say. And yeah. I, I like Buffalo at home in a sloppy game. Bills Mafia is going to be ready in the parking lot. I'm going to go Miami coming off the big win against the Pats. And that sets them up for a letdown. It, you're 100% <laughs> right, but I'm just going to roll with them. I'm going Bills <laughs> in the conditions. I'm going Buffalo as well. Uh, Miami Super Bowl hangover from last week. <laughs> uh, you want me to remind you that they beat the Patriots? Oh, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bengals at Vikings. This one's pretty easy for me. I think the Vikings get to 11-3. and three. I'm going to go Vikings as well. Better team all around. I'm going Case Keenum. Going Vikings. Cardinals at Redskins. Kind of an odd game that became tough 
for me to pick. I'll take Washington because they're home. I don't have a ton of confidence in a depleted offense for Arizona that's been plagued by injuries all year. I'm going to go Washington as well. I think Kirk Cousins leads them to the win. I'm going to Washington. Going to Washington as well. Weird matchup, below average teams. I think it's a better quarterback. Eagles at Giants. We all kind of hinted at the fact that we think the Giants could get smoked. They're probably going to lose this week. Nick Foles and the Eagles, I'm taking them this week. Philly, shouldn't be close. Philly. Philadelphia, go Nikki Six. And another game that probably won't be close, the Jets at the Saints. Let's keep it in New York with a New York team, rather, on the road. Saints at home, we all agree here as well, I think. I'm yeah. going to go Jets just because I'm, I'm going to pick my team. Spoke too season. soon. <laughs> there you go. Okay. No, I'm, going, I'm going Saints. Yeah, I alluded to it. Yeah, Saints fantasy. as well. Rams at Seahawks, another game that I – pretty much made my pick for earlier in the show. Seattle, Russell Wilson has been really, really good this season. The Rams are coming off a tough loss at home to the Eagles. I think Seattle wins this one at home. A really tough game to pick. I, I think it's going to be a great game to watch. I'm going to go I'm going to go Rams just because I think they're the more healthy and better team. I have a tough time picking against Seattle at home and considering the Rams have kind of disproved their legitimacy a little bit. I, I'm going Seattle. Yeah, I'm going Seattle as well. They don't lose tough games like this at home. A couple more games to get to before we get to Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football and wrap it up. Titans at 49ers, a game that if you told me before the season, I would have definitely picked the Titans and Mariota, but the 49ers have some newfound life behind Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm going to go with the Niners this week to, to beat the Titans, even though this is a huge game for the Titans in terms of playoff implications. I'm going Titans, better team all around. Robbie Gold kicks the 49ers to victory. There you go. <laughs> I'm going Niners. Jimmy G, 2-0 as a starter. The game of the week, Patriots at Steelers. Quickly, I'm going to just make Jack angry and say I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers here. I can't stand either of these teams, unfortunately. I'm going to go with the Patriots coming off a big loss. Uh, last week doesn't change anything. I'm going with the Patriots. Yeah, we got, we're getting pissed off Tom Brady this week, and I'm going Patriots. So I'm all alone in that camp there. Let's go to Sunday Night Football. Cowboys at Raiders, a pretty popular game in terms of fan bases, but the teams haven't performed up to expectations this year. Give me Oakland at home to take down the Cowboys. I'm going to go Oakland as well at home. I like Oakland. Cowboys have been too shaky. I want Oakland to win to make that AFC West divisional matchup a little more interesting, but um, Cooper's out this weekend. I'm going to go Dallas. I think Michael Crabtree picks up the slack there. Maybe we'll see. I think it's going to be a good one. Monday Night Football. This probably won't be as good of a game. Falcons at Bucks. I think Julio Jones goes off against a very weak Tampa Bay secondary, and the Falcons win big. Falcons 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there's no, no brainer. question here. Atlanta. All right, so on that note, we end on a, a, a nice note where we all agree on something, and those picks will be posted for all the world to see on Twitter with how they pan out. But that's going to do it for the Week 15 edition of NFL Friday. For my co-hosts, Devin Clementi and Jack Regan, Emmanuel Barbari with the fantasy advice, and our producer in the back, Dom Muscarella. I'm Matt Murphy. Have a great weekend, everybody, and enjoy the games.